The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. 15 minutes away from Rich Samini. You heard about the Giants. We'll hear about the Jets draft. Uh, while we have, while we wait for Rich, I want to get, take some thoughts out on a local baseball the past couple of days. For me as a Met fan, I'm torn. And let me explain why I'm torn. Uh, the Mets lost game one to Atlanta, was shut out 4 nothing on Friday night. I don't have to tell you because of the inclement weather over the past couple of days, both games were rained out. Now, on one hand, I could say, man, with the way my pitching staff is right now and the way things are going, Scherzer was supposed to go. Verlander is supposed to come, come back next week. My, my starting rotation does not look good. Um, I'm happy we got these games rained out because I don't think we're ready to deal with Atlanta this weekend. That's one side I could look at. The other side I could look at is now we have to play a pair of double headers, <laughs> which means my pitching staff's going to be run down anyway. So I don't know. The only thing I will say is this. Uh, Peter Alonso is having a tremendous year long ball wise, but really he, his home run hitting is probably, it seems like 70% of the Met offense as far as home runs are concerned, I know it's that, not that much. It's probably about 38 to 40% of home runs power. The Mets will need to address a power bat. I keep saying it over and over again. They know. I'm sure they will get it done. They need another power bat in this before for them to be successful, I feel, going forward this season. And a quick thing about the Yankees. And, man, they look bad. And they are struggling. And no Aaron Judge – it's 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 really bad. It's really bad. Offensively, they're giving you nothing. Today, Nestor Cortez, Nasty Nestor, was brutal. He just didn't have it. Every pitcher goes through it. Today was his day. Yankees lose 15-2. I text my partner, Gordon Damer, big-time Yankee fan, joins me, you know, ESPN New York tonight, Monday through Thursday. And I said to him, right now, the best part of what's going on with the Yankees is that his two young guys – Volpe and Peraza are playing, and they're playing consistently. And that right now when you're struggling with this and the Yankees are going to have to do something because they can't continue like this, they're in fourth place, tied with Boston, which is last place in the AL East. What, they're eight and a half games out? Might as well be 20 the way they're playing right now. They're so inconsistent. No real offense. It's, 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 really, it's really a struggle to watch them right now. It really is. And... Without Judge in the lineup, in the lineup that's sorely lacking anyway, and then to not have him, I mean, how, how are they getting runs? How are they scoring? Uh, Yankees are going to have to do something because this could be, right now if it continues, and ladies and gentlemen, it is very early. Very early. I mean, I've made the argument to some friends that they shouldn't start the season until June 1st <laughs> because the season's so long it's, you have so many twists and turns. But right now, the fact that they're getting playing time, that's really the only positive thing you can say about the Yankees at this point. That's the only positive things. By the way, right now, Warriors and Kings game seven, Golden State rolling. 111-91, little over three minutes left to go in the game. Steph Curry at last count, 47. I mean, he's made some shots in this game that just, you just shake your head. You're like, he's, he's not human. He's not, he, he, you can't, he's not human. 
Just can't do it. Go back to the phones. Simon is in Connecticut. Simon, you're next on 98.7. Larry, uh, how are you? I'm doing good, Simon. What's happening? Uh, we have got to get rid of Boone. And, and I mean, look, look what we have on this team, Larry. We have an owner who doesn't give a horse's patoot about this team in Steinbrenner. We have a general manager who's more fond of climbing up those stupid walls and sleeping outside for charity. We got a manager who's a wuss. We got young, we got people six through nine who can't hit a lick. And I hope that judge does come back. I think we need him for DHing. I mean, we got, we got to get rid of him. We got to get rid of these some of these players. And, and 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 Steinbrenner. It's like he's taking his father's legacy and throwing it down the toilet, Larry. Come on now. It's like watching the well, Mets. They buy a team, they hand it to a schmuck. I'll say this, Simon, and thanks for the phone call. I understand your frustration as a Yankee fan. Steinbrenner's aren't going anywhere. They're not selling. The only thing you can hope is that, and I don't know what they can do to add players, because who are you trading? Nobody here. Players don't have value. What, what are you going to do? Who are you going to get? It's a really, really bad situation for this Yankee team right now. And I have no answers for you, my friend. I have no answers. I do know this. Firing Aaron Boone is not the answer. He didn't, uh, you know, leave any runners stranded on base. <laughs> he didn't strike out four times. He didn't throw four home runs. He's putting out there, he's putting the players out there that he has. That's all he can do. That's all he can do. Uh, Mitch is in East Windsor. What's up, Mitch? How's it going, Larry? Great. What's doing? happening? I'm doing great. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I can't believe it. I wanted to see the Kings. I mean, I couldn't turn it over. It was looking bad, but now it's yeah. at 20. This guy yeah. is a top 10 player. And pound for pound, he's like one of the best. Who's that now? Steph Curry? Uh, Curry. Steph Curry. Uh, Greatest shoot I've ever seen. Greatest shoot no. I've ever seen, Mitch. I mean, and it's not close. I know. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He's a little bigger than Iverson. But he has more. Uh, there's more steadiness. He's not a. He's more in control. That, yeah. That was yeah. Ivan's problem. He's a. He's more of a. Ivan's more of a scorer. This right. guy's just a great shooter. He I is. Want, a, he I is. hope they give it to the Lakers. So let's let's send uh, let's see LeBron go home packing. I hope. <laughs> um, that was a great uh, pickup draft uh, mm-hmm. for the Giants with um, Hyatt. I think mm-hmm. they brought in another one receiver or two. With, you know, free agency and signings. That's that's good. Yep. And. Uh, it's a kind of comical, funny, how the Eagles are only specifically Bulldogs the last two years. They're only drafting Bulldogs, sprinkling in an Alabama guy or two, but it's like all Bulldogs. Yeah. They're just falling to their laps. I mean, when the Raiders passed up a car, it actually started with um, the Falcons uh, taking B. John, Carr, B. John Robinson. But, and Nolan dropping, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, maybe you should change their names to the Philadelphia Bulldogs or something. <laughs> hey, thanks for taking my call. Larry. All right, my friend. Thanks for checking in. Listen, when you when you've got when you when you've had success from a particular program and these guys fit what you want to do and your style of play, you stick with it. It it hasn't hurt them. That's for sure. It has not hurt them. They love it. Jackson Manhattan, what's up, Jack? Hey Larry, how are you? I'm doing great, Jack. What's happening? Hey, I need a sanity check because I really like you. Um, what has happened to smart, uh, you know, sports journalists and announcers and looking at the, the Aaron Rodgers thing? I just feel like for months and months and months, the wrong question has been asked. It's not whether Aaron Rodgers is better than Zach Wilson or Derek Carr. Of course he is. He's tremendous. The problem is, he's probably going to play one year and maybe two. And even that, 
look how hard it's going to be to get to the promised land. And frankly, anything short of that is going to be a massive disappointment, right? So that's my bias. And I guess if that happens, let's say he plays and they, you know, by the way, I'm a psychologist and there's a thing called the binary default, which is things, people think things either go really bad or really well. And a lot of times things happen in the middle. What, let's say they go, you know, 13 and 4 or 12 and 5 and they get to the playoffs and they're out in a, in a round. Then what? What do they do? Well, Jack, here's the situation for us as talk show hosts. We understood that the owner of the Jets, Woody Johnson, came out and said, I want a big-time quarterback that I'm going to win now with. And the best one out there under his for him and what he told Joe Douglas to do is to find Aaron Rodgers. So they're, what they're rolling the dice on is he's going to get us where we got to go. He gives us a better opportunity to get to the postseason. We have not been in the postseason, Jack, in over but, but a decade. Let me just, let me just real quick, real quick, Jack, yes. uh, Larry. You know, there are, you know, I could name four announcers on ESPN who have said on the air multiple times the Jets with a, with average quarterback play because Zach was so bad last year could have gone to the playoffs. So that's not even – that's not why you get Aaron Rodgers. But that's why they only wanted Aaron Rodgers, Jack. I'm saying he wants Aaron Rodgers to get – you can't get to the Super Bowl without getting to the playoffs. He hasn't even gotten there. And what else does this do for him, Jack, psych, psych, psychologically? It helps him sell more tickets economically. It helps him sell more jerseys. It helps him be relevant. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. I'm up against the clock. And so those are the reasons why he wants to be relevant again. He's tired of being the guy on the outside looking in. And he's brought in various quarterbacks. Yeah, we pick on Zach Wilson because he was the latest. But Zach Wilson's not the only quarterback they've had over the past decade. And none of them have gotten him to the playoffs. Ryan Fitzpatrick was close in 2015, but he lost the last game of the season to Buffalo, and they didn't get in. So Woody Johnson is trying to get a sure thing. He believes Aaron Rodgers is a sure thing to get to the postseason. Now, what they're also saying, Jack, is that, oh, maybe if we're lucky, wink, 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 Zach Wilson will watch his idol work and maybe – Aaron Rodgers can get to him. I don't, by the way, Jack, I don't think this is going to happen, but this is what the Jets are saying and what they think. Aaron Rodgers can reach him, and maybe we can salvage our number two overall pick. Even if he's, even if we get him to the point that he's playable enough for us to trade him, at least we would get something out of our pick because right now they've got nothing out of that pick. So those are all the reasons. And for us as hosts, we've asked the question, what, what happens if this doesn't work? We've asked it, Jack. We've said it. We've, we've, come, we've talked about it. Writer, beat writers have covered it. Rich Semini has talked about it on a number of occasions. If this doesn't work, the, the Jets are going to have to find another quarterback. But guess what? After two years or one year, whatever, they still have to find another quarterback. But for right now, Willie Johnson wants to get to the postseason. Speaking of the aforementioned Rich Samini, he will join me next on 98.7 ESPN. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
on the during the draft over this uh, past couple of days. For that, we turn to the uh, the king, the admiral, the commander. He handles what goes on on the flight deck with the New York Jets and everything that happens with the Jets on ESPN.com. He is Rich Samini. Rich, how are you? Great, Larry. Thanks for having me. It's been a busy, uh, been a busy week for the Jets. Come on, Rich. Aren't you tired of talking about Will McDonald the fourth? Absolutely. <laughs> I know that's right. Believe me, my friend. You know I've been there. You know I've been there. Um, let me ask you this: On draft night, when I first heard that New England made a trade for Pittsburgh, I said. Why can't Belichick just let it go? <laughs> let it go. You yeah, won. Not only, <laughs> not only did he make that trade, Larry, but he actually sold that pick off at a discounted price to Pittsburgh. You know, because if you look at the point value chart, it dropped three spots. The Patriots actually took less than they should have. So <laughs> just maybe rubbing it in a little bit more than it needed to be rubbed in on the Jets. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm – I, I'm, I think the Jets would have taken Broderick Jones there. I think they also really liked that running back from Alabama uh, who was uh, in contention there. And they really liked Will Mc, uh, McDonald, the guy they ended up taking. So I, I don't think – I do think they preferred the offensive lineman, but I think there were other names under consideration as well. Rich, the, and I read your analysis, great as always. Do, does this mean that maybe – they have second thoughts about Carl Lawson um, or that may not, they may not bring him back. What, what do you think this means? Cause as you, as you mentioned here, they are, it's a deep position at, at, at the edge rusher spot. Yeah. Well, they go about five deep on the edge. Uh, obviously it's almost an embarrassment of riches there. I don't think, I think Carl Lawson will be on the team. I, I don't think they're going to, uh, you know, toss him overboard at this stage. Uh, you know, what they get, uh, I think McDonald's a little bit different than the other edge rushers they have. Uh, you know, Lawson is, is supposed to be a speed rusher, although I, I consider him sort of a speed slash power rusher. Uh, what you get in McDonald is a true edge guy. You know, he's kind of mm. like uh, Bryce Huff, you know, the undersized pass rusher, you know, who, last year who had some key plays that they're bringing back. So McDonald has a chance to be a little different than what they already have in that, you know, he's got good size in terms of length. He's six, four, and he's got really long arms. He's got like 34 inch arms, which helps him, you know, strip the ball out. I think he had 10 forced fumbles in college. No doubt those arms were a factor there, but so he's a little bit different of what, from what they have. I, I don't answer And we know they like to rotate so many defensive linemen. They'll go into a game with 10 defensive linemen dressed for the game, which is, highly unusual but it's something they believe in and uh you know i don't think mcdonald's gonna get a ton of playing time as a rookie you know because he'll be part of that rotation but he'll be on the field for you know 30 percent of the snaps i would think the jets expect to be in more uh you know passing situations on defense because they think the aaron Rodgers led offense will have some leads in the second half of games so they expect to be doing more pass rushing Rich, talk to me about Joe Tipman, the center they took out of Wisconsin. Yeah, an interesting pick there. Uh, probably, if you ask half the evaluators, you know, the evaluators in the league, half of them would say Pittman was was the best center. The other half would probably say Schmidt, the guy who the Giants got. So it was fifty fifty. 
The Jets like Pittman, he, you know, 6'6", which is unusual for a center. You know, you don't, usually don't see him that tall, but moves really well. A two-year starter at a really good program like Wisconsin. A little backstory: coached by former Jet uh, offensive lineman Jason Fabini. Mm. Older Jet fans from the uh, 90, late 90s and early 2000s will remember Jason Fabini as a key guy on those offensive lines that opened a lot of holes for Curtis Martin. And Jason actually has known Pittman since he was in the fifth grade and coached him all the way up through high school. And uh, Fabini texted me during the draft, you know, after they picked Pittman, he goes, hey, I'm, I'm hanging out with Pittman at his draft party. And he started sending me some pictures, which is kind of funny. So that's a little bit of a uh, little bit of a connection there with the Jets. Wow. Rich Amini is my guest. Rich, does Carter Warren help deal with the Jets' concern of trying to do, do add some depth to trying to stop the run? Well, Warren, you mean not the offensive tackle for Pitt? No, I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm looking at him. I was thinking D tackle. He is an offensive tackle, but let's talk about him as the offensive. Well, he definitely tackle. he definitely helps them in terms of depth because uh, you know he's not going to start this year. Of course, I mean they're going to start Dwayne Brown and then you know Makai Beckton or Max Mitchell. They needed to get an offensive line tackle out of this draft. Everyone thought it would happen in the first round. Obviously, it didn't happen there. And uh, so they pick up uh, Carter, little kid from Patterson, New Jersey. Got very emotional when he saw the uh, area code from the Jets flash on his cell phone, knowing it was a local call. And uh, they had him at their local pro day. He played a lot of football at Pitt, a four-year starter. Uh, he's an older guy. He's 24. And he played primarily, pre- predominantly left tackle at Pitt. And so he's a guy that you look towards the future. You know, could he be the heir apparent at left tackle uh, in 2024? You know, we're going to find out. Rich, I found your information on Zach Kuntz, the seventh-round tight end, fascinating. Um, 40 yards and 4.5 is not bad at 6'7". No, no. He was one of the stars <laughs> of the uh, Combine. In fact, he did so well at the Combine that uh, he got invited on the Pat McAfee show and I remember at the time thinking, like, who is this 6'7 tight end? You know, he played at Old Dominion. He was originally at Penn State, you know, for a few years. You know, he couldn't gain much traction there at Penn State, so he transfers to Old Dominion. Had a really good year in 2021. Then this past year had a knee injury, and his season was cut short with the knee injury. He claims he's fine now. He's 100%. He obviously didn't stop him from performing really well at the Combine. I did a little research today. I was checking my next gen database he's actually you know they do an athletic score for for every player that comes through they basically take all the results the testing results and they come up with a cumulative score the seventh best athletic score of tight end coming out since 2003 so i mean you can imagine how many tight ends have come out in the last 20 years he had the seventh best athletic score so like Joe Douglas said, you know, just like a, a freaky type of athlete with numbers that are just off the charts. Rich, for a team that didn't that that was looking for a tight end for so many years, now seems like they have a bunch of tight ends. Yeah, they got too many now. <laughs> uh, you know, th- these are uh, first class to have. You know, so uh, yeah, you know what? The funny thing is, I I think they were looking at the tight end market as early as the first round. You know, I know they had a really high grade on Michael Mayer, the kid from Notre Dame who ended up going at the top of the second round. So this was a really good year for tight ends. It might have been the strongest position in the draft, and people are wondering, what, you know, if, if, if Zach Koontz is such a great athlete, why did he last to the seventh round? 
Um, you know, played it at a smaller school, Old Dominion, and, and you know didn't produce at Penn State and was able to produce at Old Dominion. Obviously, it's a different level of competition. He's got a lot of work to do in terms of his route running and, and you know refining his skills in that area. But you're right, Larry. I mean, they have a good group of tight ends with Tyler Conklin, C.J. Uzama, and this year we're going to find out a lot about Jeremy Ruckert, you know, the local kid who went to Ohio State from Long Island. Uh, really didn't do anything last year. Just just couldn't couldn't get going on special teams and was inactive for most of the year. This will be a big year for him. Rich, with the choice in the fifth round of, I'm going to try to pronounce his name, Abanaconda, uh out of Pitt, right. is that – a message to Michael Carter, or obviously it's depth for Brees Hall. We get that. But is that a little message for Michael Carter of, you know what, you were disappointing last year. Here's somebody that's going to push you to be a little bit better? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, Michael Carter had an off year last year. There's no question about it. And uh, I, I still think he can be a good player for the Jets. But, yeah, so Abanaconda, local kid from Brooklyn, you know, went to Lincoln High School. Uh, grew up in the East Flatbush, Brownsville area, and then went to Pitt and just had a phenomenal year. He almost had 1,500 yards rushing last year, set the single-game record at Pitt, broke Tony Dorsett's record. He rushed for 320 yards against Virginia Tech. Now, I get it, Virginia Tech is not, <laughs> not the, <laughs> but still 320 and six touchdowns in that game is, you know, a game for the ages. And so, yeah, it's absolutely a message at Michael Carter. This kid has long speed. You know, he's a home run threat. Um, so people are saying, well, why did he last to the fifth round? You know, not great uh, contact balance. You know, not great yards after the after the after ca- uh, contact. Runs a little high, a little upright. You know, stiff, so he can get knocked down easily. But if he's a good one cut runner with great, really good speed, and that's what you're looking for in this uh, West Coast offense. When you're running a zone scheme, you need a one cut runner like a Brees Hall, who can you know run see the hole and cut up field, accelerate very quickly. And that's what this guy has. So it would not surprise me at all if he gets into the running back rotation immediately. Rich, what has this week been like with Aaron Rodgers? I mean, you can compare it. You've, you've been covering the beat as we always, we always add years to you just to, just to emphasize how long you've been covering the beat. But you, you were here for obviously the far, the, the work, the lead up, up to far, the lead up, up to Rodgers. Compare the two for the audience and just, I think Rodgers has been the guy that's really embraced it. I mean, Rangers game last night, Nick game this afternoon. I mean, just, just compare the two, the two uh, transitions from both those guys. Yeah, he's like living like Sarah Bueller right now. He's going to show up at City Field tomorrow and catch a foul ball or something like that, you know, and just get his face on TV. Uh, you know, good for him. You know, I think there were a lot of questions when the Jets traded for him, or even before they traded for him, we know there was a long way before that happens, but, you know, would he be committed to the offseason program? He obviously didn't do that in Green Bay. He would hang out in California. But to his credit, he seems fully invested. You know, he was there late last week. He's going to be there tomorrow. Um, you know, they're not having full-scale practices right now. Tomorrow's phase two begins, so they could do a little bit more in terms of throwing the ball around. But this is not real practice stuff. But he's in the meetings. According to Robert Sala, he's, he's made his presence felt in the meetings, you know, in terms of communication, input with uh, Nathaniel Hackett. We all know he's got a really good relationship with Hackett. The thing was so different. It just felt so rushed because he got to the Jets in early August, 
he did not know anyone. You know, he mm-hmm. didn't know the offensive coordinator like Rodgers does. So the Jets basically, Brian Schottenheimer was the offensive coordinator at the time. They basically scrapped their offense and created a different offense on the fly just to suit Brett Favre. He didn't have a chance to bond with teammates. It was so rushed. And to his credit, he played well early in the year until until he had the arm injury, which was toward the ages of the year. He was having a good year. Rodgers is going to have a chance to put his imprint on the team as it's in the formative stages, which is right now. He seems he was texting draft choices when they got uh, picked, you know, congratulatory texts. He seems really invested, and, in, in, you know, you saw him at the last couple of days. You know, he's showing you like he wants to get out in the city. He's hit all the right notes so far, and so that's a real positive for the Jets. Last thing, Rich, how realistic is it? And I know, that, you know, just like the line in the movie, so you're saying there's a chance. But how realistic yeah. is it from the people you've spoken with and through your reporting that he, that Aaron Rodgers can just turn Zach Wilson totally around and make him just such a such the quarterback that the Jets thought they were getting when they drafted him? Well, Matt, I, I wrote that today, uh, my notes column on uh, ESPN.com, uh, leading with uh, Rodgers embracing the mentor role with Zach Wilson and saying that he hopes Zach can uh, regain his confidence and pick up some things, the way he interacts with players and conducts himself in the meetings. Like I said, Rodgers gave a funny quote. I think we'll all remember that quote that Zach Wilson had at the end of the year. In fact, I was the one who asked him about how would you feel if the Jets go out and get a veteran starter. And, you know, he said, I'm going to make that dude's life hell every day in practice. Not knowing, of course, that the dude would be Aaron Rodgers, um, but, you know, an all-time great. So when when Rodgers was asked about that the other day after the press conference, he kind of, he knew that quote. I mean, he recited it verbatim and said, uh, he'll you know, he'll make my life hell on the field, but I'm going to make his life heaven off the field, which was an awesome quote. And can he turn him around? I don't know, Larry. I mean, I think we're we're living in a different, you know, maybe sunshine and rainbows and, and stuff like that. I, I, I think, sure, he can have an effect. Zach needs to mature off the field. I think we, we, we saw that in Living Color with the press conference last year. Uh, I think he's got to do a better job in interacting with – certainly he can learn from Zach, uh, from Aaron Rodgers on that kind of stuff. Just to be a leader – and, and play the position the way it's supposed to be played off the field. Can he make him a better player on the field? I don't know. I, I mean, we didn't see a whole lot of positive signs from Zach Wilson the last couple of years. The Jets believe this this can work and that they can hand the baton back to Zach Wilson in two years. It's very unconventional. We really haven't seen too many teams do this over the years. Um I'm curious to see how it goes. I'm not holding out a lot of hope for Zach Wilson. I think probably he needs a change of scenery uh, to really fulfill his potential. It's going to be here this year, basically caddying for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he'll be a better quarterback, but he won't be here. I don't think he'll be here. I think they go. But see, that's the trick, Uh, Rich. They got to be able to make him at least tradable. (laughs) He's not even tradable at this point. He's not tradable right now. I suspect in a year from now uh, he'll be tradable. I mean, sometimes backup quarterbacks can improve their trade stock by not playing. You you know? (laughs) Like, if he goes out, look, Zach's going to play a lot in the preseason because we know Aaron Rodgers 
play in the preseason. Right. So Zach's going to get a lot of reps. Um, you know, he can do well in the preseason, and then if, if everything goes according to plan, you know, he'll, he could get some mop-up work during the season and maybe elevate his stock a little bit to the point where a year from now, going into the draft, if someone's willing to offer the Jets something decent, you know, maybe a third-round pick, uh, then maybe they make that move then. But they're going to have to make a decision uh, uh, in the next year on the long-term position. Do they really think Zach Wilson is going to be their quarterback? Um, I think they're going to have to make that decision in about a year. Now, the big thing is they're not going to have a first-round draft pick next year. Mm-hmm. So in all likelihood, that's going to the Packers in this Rodgers trade. So the Jets, worst-case scenario, something happens to Rodgers, the year goes bad, something happens to Wilson, they don't have faith in him, and they're sitting there a year from now with no quarterback and no first-round pick. Probably the worst situation an NFL team could be in. Again, that's the worst-case scenario. The Jets are hoping, certainly, that it goes in a, in a different place than that. Rich, keep up the great work, uh, but take a couple of days off, okay? Take a couple of days um, off. Maybe, maybe in a couple of weeks. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good talking to you, Rich. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Larry. Take care. All right. You too. We'll take your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Today, in the 120-101 Game 7 win that sends Sacramento home. He had 50 points today. And if you did not see the game, when you check out SportsCenter later, some of the shots that he made were just incredible. I mean, scoop shots, threes falling away. I mean, he is just, he is an unbelievable shooter and scorer. It's unbelievable. And he, along with Kevin Looney, who had 21 rebounds, 10 off the offensive boards, that was the best defense. The Warriors Warriors dominated. The Kings, they didn't shoot well and they couldn't get second chances because Looney dominated. And And when the Warriors missed, he gave the Warriors second and third chances. And when Steph got the second and third chance, he didn't miss. (laughs) So it was 50 points. I mean, Steph Curry's unbelievable play. Unbelievable. And he had an unbelievable performance. And it's true what Mark Jackson says. Mark Jackson says, when it's game seven, your best players have to show up and show out. And Steph Curry showed up and he showed out today. There's no question about that. Uh, going back to what Rich Samini had to say about the draft, I, I think the Jets did a decent job. Obviously, they wanted an O-lineman at pick number 15. Had they not made the deal with Aaron Rodgers to get Aaron Rodgers, they would have gotten their pick. The uh, offensive lineman they wanted there. So they ended up having to take the offensive lineman in a, you know, in a, in a later round. But they got their center, what they wanted, and they got a tackle later. So... Listen, we'll see. For them, it's about depth on that O-line. The O-line has been an issue. The O-line continues to be an issue. They continue to try to figure out the O-line. They've tried free agency. They've tried the draft. They've tried a number of different ways. Really, Elijah Vera Tucker has been one that has worked. The other ones have not. So we'll wait and see. Hopefully, Elijah Vera Tucker can come back and build on what he started 
as a person that not only was effective, but was effective at multiple positions on the O-line, which makes him, makes him invaluable. I'd love to be his agent. <laughs> He's going to make somebody. All right. I'd love to be his agent because he, he's invaluable for what he's able to do. But ultimately, that's what this is going to be about. And listen, you know me, I thought that it wasn't going to get Aaron Rodgers, so they end up getting him, and hopefully he will do what Jet fans need him to do. And he gets them to the postseason, and they go as far as they can go, and hopefully it's the Super Bowl because Lord knows the franchise needs it because they haven't, they've been you know, just an afterthought for over a decade because they haven't even been in the postseason. But for me, the curiosity is going to be what they do, aside from the quarterback spot, what they do in the trenches, defensive line as well, will they be able to get the, the pressure on the, quarter, the opposing quarterbacks that they need to do for them to be effective? Will they be able to get a run stopper? Will they be able to get that person that can put them in second and third and long situations so that they can rotate these pass rushers and guys they have, the young players they have, to try to rush the quarterback? Because these guys are not doing anything when you're giving up six, seven, eight yards on first and second down, and it's third and one and third and two, and you're, you know, you have to be tentative because you're not in control at third and one and third and two. When it's third and 12 or 15, yeah, then you can dictate because now you're rushing the passer, you're blitzing, you're doing different things. So unless the Jets can do something where they curtail the run and limit the run, this defense is still going to have trouble. They showed improvement last year. I know statistically they were a top five defense, but the eye test tells you a lot. And for a lot of the games, they were not, especially the last month of the season, and be it they were on the field too much or whatever, whatever the reasons. The bottom line here is they were not a top five defense at the end of the season. I mean, their rank probably dropped them. Maybe they were higher, but they just could not get off the field. And the reason they couldn't get off the field, couldn't stop the run. So that's got to be something that they have to find a way to work on. Okay, there's little things that this Jet team needs to do for them to be, you know, a competitive team that's going to get to where their goal is. And they're like the Mets. Their goal is Super Bowl or bust. That's what their goal is. That's what they have. And, you know, listen, there's a lot of teams, and everybody has said it. There's a lot of teams in the AFC East that you got to climb over. Now, maybe you get lucky. Maybe you get certain matchups that help you out. I don't know. But right now, do you have the feeling that this is, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to downplay anything. I'm just looking at it on the outside looking in. Do they have... Do they have a shot at going deep into the playoffs? Yes, they do. But a lot of things have got to go right. And part of the things that have to go right is health and the play of the reserves who fill in for those starters when the starters go down. I always tell you, the talent level of the depth from your backup to your starter, the closer the talent level is to your starter, the more success you will have by the players coming off your bench to perform because you're only as strong as the weakest player on your bench. You're only as strong as the worst player on your team. That determines how strong your team is. All right, so, you know, listen, hopefully everything goes well. The Jets have a lot of work to do. And this offensive line, you hope it gels. And the one thing is it would be nice if – in gelling, I mean that they have – 
the same lineup for a couple of weeks. I mean, they have different lineups. Yeah, you're moving the guard to a tackle, right side to the left side. You're moving people all over the place. You can't gel. A person can't know. If I let him go, I know my guy's got my back. If I let him go to help out the center because they're sending a blitz, I got a guy. He's got to, he's got to pick up my guy. I got to know that he can pick him up. And you don't have that when you don't work it together. So hopefully Joe Douglas will get this offensive line squared away because without that offensive line, it's going to be a long season. We'll take your phone calls ahead of Phillies Astros at the top of the hour on 98.7 ESPN.